was thinking about a few things and looking at a few things that normally happen. I I'm not even too sure if this is, this is PC anymore. But I don't know, does it, and I'm not trying to be, do the wrong thing or anything, but uh, do you remember Chinese whispers? I mean, is that even called that anymore? I don't know. These days you get <laughs> put over the coals and call them. But China, you know, everyone knows what the whispers, we'll call it whispers, right? You get a line of people up and someone comes up with a phrase and you tell the first person. And the first person tells the second person. And the second person tells the third person. And when you get to the end of it, the last person is supposed to relay what the first person was told. And I don't know how many times you've played it, but I have never, never in my life ever seen it happen where the first person who was told says exactly the same as the last person. Huh? Just because everyone hears things a little bit differently. I remember a couple of times we've done it and uh, then you go back and find out how far it got changed at what point. Well, what were you told? And what were you told? And what were you told? And then if you always get one character in there who just thinks it's just a big joke and decides to change it completely. But it's interesting when you start looking at it how much things can change when it goes from person to person to person. If you were watching the news or paying close attention, uh, t- attention to social media, you know, when the, especially when the fires are on, actually there's a lot of stuff happening at the moment, but when the fires are on and how much information there was, but how much bad information there was. And people were sharing this and sharing that and, and I often wonder why on earth you're sharing something that's on Facebook because as we all know, Facebook is 100% accurate. <laughs> but people were, were relaying and sharing information. And I had a, a, an old friend of mine, he was he's a little bit politically minded, and he was sharing things, and then there was a couple of times he had to repost and retract things that he shared because new information had come down. And if you're watching any of the fires, especially in the um, very start, well, not the start, but the start of when it got really bad, um, our Prime Minister copped a hammering. He was accused of a lot of things. I know he visited a couple of really bad fire sites and he just copped a hammering. You know, they were saying that he hadn't done anything and that nothing was done through the federal means and there was no money and there was no access and no help and the army should have been involved and everything that they were saying that wasn't happened was actually put in place. Sometimes it can just be simply uh, misinformation. And then, of course, everyone gets blamed for the fires. You've got climate, uh, climate change. I don't know where you stand on climate change, but it's, uh, it's another one of those subjects. There's climate change and there's all these fire bugs and then there's this and that, there's droughts. And there's no one doing back, enough back burning, so that's the problem. Then there's not enough money in the rural fire service, so that's the problem. Then the winds were a problem. Everyone got blamed. Everyone. And sometimes it's just one of those situations that a, a whole bunch of causes plays into play and makes it bad. I have a tendency to watch a little bit of news, especially international news. And at the moment, if you're unaware, uh, the US have a president, his name is Donald Trump, and he has just, well, they are trying to impeach him 
Um, don't ask me fully what that means, because um, it doesn't generally mean too much. Three, it's happened three times in the history of the US. Um, one time, the president re resigned afterwards. The second time, it had no effect. And this is the third effect. But there's so much information being said. I remember watching an interview. And they were interviewing people in the US. And one of them came up to him and says, oh, so do you agree that Donald Trump should be impeached? And they said, yes, I totally agree. That's my opinion. And then they were asked, and why do you think he should be impeached? And they said, I have no opinion about that. Because people generally don't know. But there's so much information out there, sometimes it can be hard to decipher through it what is actually factual. I remember when I was growing up, going to school, and we would have a school assignment, Mel and I were talking about this, right? You didn't have this WWW thing, this World Wide Web. You didn't have the internet. You went to a thing called a book. And you opened this book. Oh, you went to the library to get the book, right? In our schools, we had libraries. And you went to the library and you borrowed books. And I can remember when the first computers got in. I mean, they had computers before that, but when, when computers, when the PC, personal computers, became accessible and affordable, I should say. But the amount of information you would have to research to find out what was true. You know, you'd have multiple books up. I remember when I did Bible college and, and they, would, they would want at least three sources for every one of our assignments. So it was never just one access point. I don't know what it's like now. What's it like now, Ian? Is that what you cried in high school now? Multiple sources from the kids? And yeah. yeah. Six. And we're not talking about barbecue, tomato, mustard. We're talking about that. We're talking about actual sources, you know, references. When I was at Bible college, Wikipedia was not a valid reference. It actually had to be a written book. Then you had to, you had to follow the, the whole process of referencing correctly. But trying to go through information and get the right information was a challenge. Nowadays, you click on Facebook and someone's posted an, uh, an opinion. That name may not be fully factual. I don't know how you feel about climate change. Um, I'm still doing some of my research because it seems like everyone has opinion and everyone is accurate and everyone is telling the truth. And somewhere along the line is the middle ground. Somewhere along the line is actually the truth. I do believe that as, as people we need to be better stewards of what we have. But I'm not completely set on whether or not climate change is actually a full concern at this stage. So it's hard and challenging sometimes in order to cipher through information, in order to understand what is actually happening, which brings us to an interesting character in the Bible. And at 1 Kings chapter 19, if you have your Bibles, you can open up your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 19. We come across this fellow named Elijah. 
And Elijah is said to be a prophet. He's a famous man. And at this point in time, when we catch up with him, so 1 Kings chapter 19, he has been hunted by Jezebel. And Jezebel is this evil queen who's married to Ahab. And she hunts him down. She's gotten to the process where she is killing Christians or killing believers. And where we catch up with Elijah is after Mount Carmel. Right? So on Mount Carmel, he calls down fire, kills 750 of uh, Jezebel's prophets. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 9. He then runs faster than a chariot. And he goes to a place under a juniper tree where God brings food, from him, food for him from a crow. And he is sustained by God's blessings. So 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 9. My kids have got Bibles at the moment, so that's why I'm saying it a few more times. So we're going to read from verse 9 to 13. This is where we catch up with Elijah. And after he leaves the juniper tree, basically, it says, There he came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword, and I even, I only, am left. And they seek my life and take it away. And he said, Go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountain and broke it in pieces and rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire of the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? It then follows on that Elijah actually repeats the very same thing that he said to God in the first place. He says, I have been zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I even only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. There's a lot in that passage of scripture. And some things you might have missed. It's important to understand that after Elijah leaves the juniper tree where he is fed by God, Right? The Bible says that God brought his substance and told him that you need substance, you need to eat because you have a long journey ahead of you. And Elijah is eating from the crows. Not the crows, he's eating from the crows. And he gets up and goes to a mountain and he camps inside a cave. A cave is a safe place. It's a place generally, generally, with one entrance. Bears like to hibernate in caves. Why? Because it's a safe place. But it's also because most of them only have one entrance. So they only have to, as they're sleeping, worry about one access point 
of attack. And Elijah has moved on to this cave. And God's response to him is, what are you doing here? And that's when he goes on the spiel and says, oh yeah, but, but God, I'm here because of what's happening. And everyone's trying to take me out and everyone's trying to do this and no one else is standing up for the word and I'm by myself and everyone else is living the way they just want to and they're not following what you said. And I'm the only one left. And they're trying to take me out. They're trying to undo me. They're trying to break, break down my name. They're trying to break down what we've been doing, God. Let me give you a little hint, right? God doesn't need you to defend him. He has been from the beginning, the beginning of time and he will be at the end of time. But Elijah misses so much in this because he's so consumed with what's been taking place, the circumstances that are situated around him, everything that's taking place around him. When he went to Mount Carmel, he stood on a mountain and made mockery of Ahab and Jezebel's prophets. He calls down fire and engulfs an altar. And then he slays the 750 false prophets. And at that point, he gets up and he sprints. And we're not running, we're not talking about like a sane bolt speed. We're talking chariot speed, at least two horsepower, right? And he bolts faster than a chariot. And the whole time, he then begins to be consumed with what's happening around him. And God's trying to grab his attention. He's saying, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? Have I called you here? Is this where you're supposed to be at? Is this where your focus is supposed to be on? Then God says, all right, come out of the cave. Now, if you missed it, he never actually leaves the cave. God says to him, come out of the cave. Stand before the mountain. And at the very end, he says, and then he went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. So this whole period of time when God has actually called him out, he does not move out of the cave until after God has changed certain things. God brings a fire and God brings an earthquake and God brings this and that and, he's, and every one of his circumstances is falling apart. And what happens? God says, I'm not in the wind and I'm not in the fire and I'm not in the earthquake. And then all of a sudden, a still, soft breeze blows across his face like a sound of a low whisper. And the Bible says when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and then he went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came to a voice and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? Let me explain this to you because this is... This is Really quite interesting. There will be circumstances and situations that will happen in your life. There will be times when people won't like you. Believe it or not, there will be. There will be times when your people that you thought liked you don't like you anymore. And there will be times that people will say things about you. 
There will time become times when life is difficult and when life is challenging. When things don't quite work out the way you planned. But this passage of Scripture gives a great insulation of what actually takes place. When we are consumed by the circumstances that happen around us, when we become consumed with all the troubles that happen in the world, when we become so worried about what's happening, we don't get the actual truth, we just find out what's, what's sort of happening, we get other people's opinions. It consumes us and takes our focus away from where it should be. And where our focus should always be is on God. What does he want? What is he calling us to? What is he telling us to do? That even in the midst of a troubled time, there is an answer. If you want to read the story of Elijah, there's a time when he goes to a widow. And all she has is sons. And she says to Elijah, she says, I'm in trouble. This is Peter's paraphrase, okay? I'm in trouble. I'm in huge amounts of debt. To the debt to the point that the debtors are coming to collect my sons. Because in those days, if you carried debt, you could actually put yourself into slavery to cover the debt. And she's saying, I, I've got so much debt, I've got so much concern, and the debtors are going to come and they're going to collect my boys. They're going to take my boys off to pay my debt. And they can't cover it. And Elijah says to her, he says, what do you have? What do you have in your home? And she says, I, only, I have a little bit of flour, and a little bit of oil. And he says, go and get all the jars you can find. Go to your neighbours, go to your friends, go to the people you don't like, get all the jars. And as they go get the jars, they says that they go into a room. And they start pouring the oil out into these jars. And the Bible says that the oil stopped when there were no more jars. Too many times... We look at our circumstances and we are dictated to by what is happening around us rather than who our God is. We look at what's coming in, maybe it's the bills. I've, all the, I've had those times when you've got more bills stacking up and you're looking at the bank account and they don't equal. And then you start looking at things, maybe I should sell something. Maybe we can hire the kids out. Right? I'm just saying maybe. Or maybe you can sit there and look at, oh, the world, you know, all these fires, it's troubled times, and this is happening, and this is not happening, and this is happening, and oh, we've got elections this year, and this person's saying this, and this person's saying that. What's the truth in the midst of all this? And all this is taking place. Yeah, we've got double elections this year. Huh? Or maybe it's the concerns of the kids going back to school, and you trying to find the money to buy uniforms or maybe you missed the uniform shop being open? I don't know. Maybe it's just trying to put food on the table. Petrol in the car. That can be a bit of a task these days, especially with the price of petrol moving up and down. But we can become so consumed with what is taking place around us and forget who our God is. That our God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. That he can bring forth breakthrough for each and every one of you. But this story is a very clear depiction that God wants your attention. But it's not a story where the 
the hero of it, or should I say the, the main character of it, does everything right and fulfills the purpose of God and walks around with a, as a hero. Because something really drastically takes place in Elijah's life. Elijah doesn't actually capture. Elijah doesn't change his focus back on God. And soon after this point, where he says for the second time, what are you doing here, Elijah? God actually goes and tells him, says, I want you to go anoint this person, and I want you to go anoint this person, and I want you to go and anoint this person. This person's going to clear out the people you didn't take out. This person's going to fill out what he doesn't do. And this person's going to clean up the mess. Basically, he was saying, go and find your, uh, your, your person who will take after you. Soon after this, Elijah walks up to Elisha. You get them confused, you're not by yourself. And he, hands his mant- he eventually hands his mantle over to Elisha. And everything that Elijah was supposed to do, Elisha finishes. Elijah doesn't change his mindset. He doesn't refocus his mind or his, refocus his perspective on back on the God. He actually gets to the point where God begins to retire him. Because when your focus is only on what is around you, God can't grab hold of you. And when God can't grab hold of you, he can't use you to the fullness of what he's called you to. And when we're so consumed with what's happening, we miss out on what is actually taking place. The same thing happened to Peter when he stepped out of the boat and started walking on water. He was so consumed with the winds and the waves that were contrary. He forgot that, hang on, I'm walking on water. There needs to be a realignment of our perspective a realignment of our vision of what we see and who we're focused on. We can't be focused or concerned about the things that are happening around us. We need to remember, hang on, my God is bigger than the situation. My God is bigger and stronger than all that can take place. My God is bigger. If you need help, put your hand up. I can tell you so many times where God's come through. So many times. The fact that we're living in that house, the house we live in, is, is a testimony of God's grace. And we got there because of what had happened beforehand. If you've never heard this story, I'll tell it to you because I love telling this one. I was on staff at our main campus. If you, if you don't know, um, pastors don't make a lot of money. All right? We don't do this for the money. Um, you have to sell books to make money. Okay? Um, that's, that's where the money comes from. All right? And I, I, I think I only just been going for a couple of years or something, didn't I? I think it just started sort of really early on. Yeah, I think it was about two years in or something. And this developer in our church had decided that because he had been blessed so much, he wanted to give back. And so he built some houses. And he told us about them and he said, I want, I'm going to offer you one of the duplexes. <coughs> and so we, we ended up uh, buying a house from him for cash. Yeah, for cost. I should say that, for cost. Yeah, for cash. <laughs> when you're in the bank, no. Um, 
Yeah, we bought it for cost. And it was a great house. It wasn't huge, but it was good enough for us. And I remember talking to, to Melinda about it, and there was a time before we came out here, and we sold that house, and we got a good price for the house. We had a great real estate agent. Um, it got us the best deal possible, right? And God used that to get us where we are now. Now, it took some wisdom. It took some listening to God and being listening to what he wanted to do. Because when, when you begin to listen to what God wants, he begins to show you, I can, I can take a dollar and I can make it a ten dollar. And I can take ten dollars and I can make it a hundred dollars. Actually, he can take a dollar and make it a million dollars. Because money's not worth anything to him. See, all money is, is a, it's a means. It shouldn't be the thing that consumes us. And we are so very, very blessed. We have two children. And they are exactly what we wanted. Just they didn't come out exactly the way we wanted. We, wanted, we always wanted two children. We always wanted one of each. We didn't plan to have them both at the same time. But you don't always get what you want, or it doesn't always come in the package or the envelope that you ask for. But we are so richly blessed. And we're so richly blessed, and I can't tell you that I, I hear God all the time and I do everything that I'm supposed to do, and I walk in all His favor, and everything else goes right, and nothing else goes wrong, okay? But I can tell you that when I put my focus, when I realign my perspective back onto him, when I remove the other circumstances that happened around me, right, the confusion, the misinformation, the lies, the rubbish, everything else, and I listen and I hear God and I say, God, what do you want to do? What is it that you want me to do with this? How am I supposed to move this? Which direction do I go? I can guarantee that he will speak. It doesn't necessarily mean that he will go, as soon as you ask, I'll reply. Because sometimes he wants you to press in. And sometimes he delays answering because he wants you to keep pressing in. It's not a conversation generally always happens with my wife. I'll talk to my wife and there may be a delay between when I get an answer. All right? Or vice versa. Sometimes you get a conversation with your, your partner. As soon as you ask a question, you get a response. Or you've got one of those relationships, as soon as you halfway through asking the question, you might get a response. I don't know. Sometimes it will happen like that. Sometimes it's delayed. But when you make the decision that God is going to be your focus, that God is going to be your perspective point, your pivotal point of how you live and what decisions you make, are based upon his word, based upon what he says, you will see yourself go from one point to the next point to the next point. Unexplainably. If that's not a word, it is a new word now. Because I can tell you, I, I technically shouldn't be in this sort of position, should we? But just out of favour, just out of God's covering, God's guidance, God's direction, God moving certain things out of the way, and we're here. 
I'm here. We're all here. I remember I spent a lot of the time away from God. And when I came back and made a decision for him, I remember he took me on a little journey. And he showed me pivotal points in my time and what he did in those times. To say, hey, I was there. I was here and I did this and did that. And you didn't even notice, but I was still there. I moved this and this person moved and this person left and this person happened and this took place and this happened. But you didn't even notice because your fixating was not on me. You were not focused on me. Your perspective was not on me. And therefore you missed me. You missed what I was doing. The good thing is it's never too late. It is never too late to reconnect with God. It is never too late to refocus on God. It is never too late to, re- oh, to get your new perspective on who He is. It takes the simplest things. It takes a first step. It takes a decision that I'm going to spend time in your word. I'm going to spend time praying. It doesn't have to be hours at a time. It can be simply a couple of minutes. It just takes a single step. Now this year is going to be a great year. It's not going to be a great year because everything's going to go well for you and everything's going to go right and there's going to be no thing that goes wrong. It's going to be a great year because I can see you growing and being more fulfilled in everything you're called to do and everything you're going to do. I can see greatness that's going to take place in this year, not because of everything that's going to be perfect, but because you'll see things in a different light. You won't see them as you once did. This year is going to be a great year because not only are you going to see things in a different perspective, but you're going to be so richly blessed. Because when your focus is centred on Him, excuse me, when your focus, when your perspective is fixated on Him, oh, it brings so much clarity and direction. He begins to open up doors that have never been opened up before. Because he can trust you to walk through that door and do everything you're called to do and fulfill everything that you need to do. That's what 2020 is going to be. Next week we have Vision Sunday. It's when, we, when I share the vision for 2020. It's the last message in the series of perspective as well. But it is going to be a great year. We've got lots of stuff planned and we've been talking about a few things with a few different people. We're going to do some things that are different, move into different areas. But I can tell you that this year is going to be awesome. We're going to have some great testimonies in to come out of this church. We're going to have some great testimonies because God's going to move and do different things. And we're going to see the difference in people's lives. Why? Because we choose to see it. And your 2020 can be exactly how you choose it to be. It can be exactly filled with everything that you want it to be. It can be exactly like 2019, or it can be a new, exciting year, full of everything you could possibly imagine. Full of challenges, but full of the right perspective on how you see those challenges as well. I'm going to close up in a word of prayer and I'm 
We have t uh, morning tea and there's tea and coffee over there. Stay a while, talk to people. If, you, if you've never been here before, say hello to some new people. If you come here on a normal basis, say hello to the new people. Um, happy Australia Day. I don't know how you feel even about Australia Day because there's so much information all about Australia Day. But um, this is the day we celebrate Australia Day, regardless of if they change or not. Hope you have a lovely day. There's a little bit of rain out there, but I hope you have a lovely day. Get plenty of rest. Okay, may get some rest. But we're going to pray. We're going to finish up. Are you doing this? Right? No. So let's bow our heads together. Bow our heads together. Bow our heads. Father, we speak clear and precise perspective upon each one of us. Father, let us not be consumed with the circumstances that surround us, the misinformation that can be relayed to us. That even in the midst of information, there is clarity. Guide us and direct us in all that we do. Father, we speak your blessings and your favour upon this year your prosperity, your guidance, your covering and hedge of protection upon us as we leave today. Bless us in our fellowship. Bless us in all we do. Bless the kids as they go back to school on Tuesday or whatever day they go back. Bless the teachers who are looking after those kids. Bless the parents as they release their kids. Bless the new children that are going to school for the first time, or maybe kindy or whatever else. We just declare your name, your clear perspective in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.